0: Mamma Mia Book Club is brought to you by BWS. I've got a question for you: Are you ready to change your life? Woo! Woohoo! Yes.
1: I, I Ten years like, ago, Mon's.
0: <laughs> I feel like we need some like gym music, like <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: and a little fluoro g string.
0: Yes. Today it's
1: the cult
0: of Michelle Bridges and her self help slash semi-autobiographical book, Make It Happen, Live Your Best Life. In essence, this book is sort of part biography and part self-help. Stories from her life are interspersed with lists of life advice and testimonials. So did this book change your life? Let's unpack it. I'm Monique Bowley. I'm the host of Mamma Mia Out Loud. And I'm here with Jackie Lunn, author of The Unknown Woman and Under the Influence. Hi, Jackie. Hello. And also today, joining us is Lucy Rivers. Book critic, <laughs> mm. uh, Jackie Lunn, What did you think about this book? Oh,
1: it confused me. Look, to be honest, in the last couple of years, I have been someone for the first time in my life to look at self-help books. Never before, never interested me. But you get to an age where you think, oh, I'm in a bit, of, I'm stuck in a rut, and what am I going to do? Yep. So I have looked at a couple in the last sort of three years. But this one confused me, I think because of its structure and a few other things. So I'll just say that and we'll go on to Lucy Rivers.
2: I wasn't so much confused as just, uh, I don't want to be too harsh, but I did not enjoy it. I'm not, I I will preface this by saying I'm not the kind of person to read a self-help book and I'm incredibly cynical. So I rolled my eyes so many times, particularly in the first half that my contacts were falling out. But I did feel that it picked up later on in the book. It just didn't work for me.
0: (gasps) Okay. What about you, Mont? How do you mean it doesn't work? Okay, both of you are making no sense right now. Jackie, you just said you found it confused and hard to follow. It, it's like it's the easiest to follow book ever. It's like, No, it's not. Bit. It's
1: not. I don't think the structure, <gasps> it, it didn't guide me through. I mean, elementally, the structure didn't work for me for a start, which is problematic. Like, I didn't feel as I was being guided through something, going from the start of where I needed to be to the end. It kind of went from A to B. C to you know P back to B you know I I didn't feel that it was that it took me anywhere that I needed to go in a really sort of in in a way that meant anything I'm not making any sense but that because I just I it didn't it didn't work for me either I'm sorry it didn't work for me
2: I really agree with you there and and not just uh it didn't work for me in the sense of progression but the actual format of the book I found quite hard to follow in that on pages there were probably every second page there's a large chunk of text and I can't tell if that's supposed to be read in order if that's a separate quote like in a magazine uh, if that's a lift out quote and then every third or fourth page there's a large quote from her some of which don't seem that original to me as well as at the end of every chapter there's a rule like a list of rules and there's just so much going on in the book that I really I'm like Jackie I found it hard to focus.
0: Sorry Mons. I can't believe what I'm hearing you two are both playing the victim <laughs> and you are being negative. And those are two things that Michelle Bridges does not believe in. That's true. So I would like you to turn that frown upside down and get your shit together. And just freaking do it. Just freaking do it. JFDI. Okay, let's talk about the cover because this is, uh, I think, very symbolic because it's cha- taking Michelle Bridges from the fitness context into the life coaching context. Like she looks very businesslike and in even the – picture on the back she's in a power pose but she's in a corporate uniform so this is Michelle Bridges saying I'm just not into fitness guys I'm going to change your life from your career to your relationships and all throughout there's all those sort of photos of her and she's all in like power poses and like corporate wear yeah she's yeah. going to work at
1: Price Waterhouse Coopers
0: yep. <laughs> she's business Barbie yeah Um, and I thought the way it was set out was really effective because it sets up chapter by chapter, this is the part we're going to tackle now, this is how you do it, and then at the end it's the too long didn't read version or just reinforcing the lessons that have learnt throughout the chapters. So I found that really good. Listen to me, do I sound
1: indoctrinated? You do. And my question is I really admire Michelle. I think she's done really, really well in the health and fitness industry. And I really and I did enjoy parts of the book when she spoke about what she what she is an expert about, which is health and fitness and personal training and things like that. But to me, someone who is a life coach or a psychologist needs to actually have done that kind of needs to have been schooled in that area. You can't just put up your hand because I go to the gym occasionally, I can't put up my hand and go, Well, I'm a health and fitness expert. Here's my book. So to me that was a big hole because I kind of went You actually, you can want to be a doctor and persevere and persevere and persevere, but if you don't go and get, you you know, go and get your doctor degree, you're not a doctor. So, I just wanted to know what were her qualifications for being a life coach.
0: There's authors that write about all kinds of stuff that don't necessarily have qualifications in that field. That's fiction. That's different. This is non-fiction.
1: You even look at people like Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins has been who's the the biggest self-help life coach guru. Has been actually out in the coalface doing it for I don't know thirty years. He's got experience under his belt. I just want to know what is her experience at changing people's lives beyond health and fitness.
0: Well, she's changed her life. She's changed the lives of thousands and thousands of Australians, Jackie.
1: But so so as a parent, should I, I've got three kids? I'm not a parenting expert. I wouldn't write a book on because it's just part of my life. So we've all, all we've all lived. Does that make us experts in living? But
0: I will say. I don't think at any point she positions herself as the expert, and I think interspersed throughout is listen, I'm not an expert. I don't have qualifications in this. But Martin Seligman says this and she's constantly referencing the experts in the field. That's what was one of my problems with the book was her,
2: her references. Some of them needed to go a lot deeper. I felt that they were mm. real, really surfaced kind of references in the kind of way that if I was, uh, when I was at university or high school and I had to write an essay, I would cast around until I found a couple of evidentiary supports and then throw them in without actually reading it. It felt like that, that she jumped from Confucius to Rosie Batty to um, her friend Jenny, who's now a Pilates instructor, just tiny little snippets of stories when what I really wanted was case studies of people who have made it happen in their lives. And I feel I was, I'm was i with Jackie that um, when she was doing the self-help stuff, I was completely tuned out because I felt, you're not an expert on this, but when Michelle was talking about Michelle, talking about the times in her life when she created opportunity yeah. and uh, when she ha- faced adversity and she pushed through that was when I was really tuning in feeling inspired and I wanted her to really dig deeper into the examples that she brought up of friends in her life, uh, one woman in particular who quit her job and became a Pilates or, or a yoga, yoga
1: teacher. The, the lawyer. The yeah. lawyer who became
2: a yoga and teacher. spoke French. Yes, mm. and spoke French. That's all <laughs> we know about her. I would love to see exactly how she, mm. uh, she made a life out of yoga as well as another friend of hers who was a uh, who studied veterinary science and then became a vet and discovered that it was a lot of putting animals down, and so then they changed their life and became started making pet snacks or healthy pet snacks or something. I would like to read about exactly how they made that happen, and I felt like this book would give that to me, but it didn't. It just asked a lot of vague questions about my life, gave cliche advice, and it wasn't until I was reading exactly about Michelle Bridges
0: that I felt inspired. But don't you think people need the cliché advice? Don't you think things are a cliché for a reason? Like a lot of people would say oh, this book is so basic. But really, it's just identify what you want in life and make a plan for it and then set it in action. That's what this book is. I think What's wrong with that? I agree and
2: and I I'd, I'd say that An important factor here is that there will be a fairly niche audience who would buy this book in the first place. They're the people who are looking to make a passion happen. But I think something that she's ignoring is the fact that I'd say there are a lot of Australians who are not happy with their jobs but they do not necessarily have a specific passion that they either want to follow or that can become financial. And I think that there's a big chunk uh, missing between, okay, find your passion, now... These are the ways you make that uh, profitable.
0: That's true. Jackie, did you think that the book kind of ignored some of the more systematic issues at play? I totally agree. I would have probably
1: enjoyed the book a lot more if she focused on herself. And I, I found the stories about her really interesting and quite inspiring. And I didn't need to kind of be lectured about what I needed to do or anything like that. It would have been more motivational for me to hear her stories and the stories of the people around her because... All the other stuff felt more hollow to me. I didn't feel that she knew what she was talking about really and she didn't have the um, skills to tell me. I didn't trust her. And I I think the the, the very essence of someone who's going to be your life coach is you need to trust them.
2: I agree and I almost wanted the book to be in reverse because one of the last chapters she talks about all the mistakes she's made in her life and I thought that was an incredible chapter. And it isn't until about 150 pages in that she starts talking about her life systematically and um, when she created opportunity. And I was hanging out for that bit. I was so sick of all the self-help advice, mumbo jumbo. And I
1: and I think even if that was a book like, you know, Michelle Bridges, all the mistakes I've made, you know, yeah. and then you, it's, it's so inspiring because she is someone who's made mistakes and it makes you feel better about all the mistakes you made because we're in a society that we're not meant to make mistakes. And she just put them all out here and said, Look, this has failed with me. This has failed, but look where I am now, but you know. And I—that was inspiring. But she Brand, should
0: have done it earlier. Brand Bridges is not about making mistakes and not about dwelling on mistakes. Brand Bridges is about telling people how to live a better life, and that is what. Why? So why would she put a book out going, yeah? Because a
1: cut cut through because that you you go what and and b, you know, it's one of those things that when you actually read it, you understand the meaning implicit in it rather than these kind of buzzwords and this and that, it actually had substance that, you know, these mistakes and these failings made Michelle Bridges, who is having the last laugh, who's an incredibly successful woman. And yeah, to me, that would have made a, a a book that would have had more meat and would have had more meaning.
2: And she does preach in all the self-help sections how to that you need to learn from your mistakes and you need to know how to persevere. But it isn't until I read that chapter at the end, when she's talking about um, the gym that she and Bill had in the Haymarket yeah. and how that fell apart and how she persevered from that and all the other opportunities she created, it wasn't until I was reading her specific examples that I understood what she meant.
0: I'm really, I feel really flattened by both of your reactions to this book. And like Michelle Bridges says, surround yourself with positive people. So maybe I should just cut the book club here. <laughs>
1: I am positive, Mons. I'm a positive person, but I'm also someone who is a critical thinker.
2: Hey, do you sometimes feel like a hot mess at the school gate? Do you sometimes look at other women and think, how the hell does she do all that? Well, then I've got a podcast for you. My name is Holly Wainwright and I'm looking for answers. I've decided to ask some of the funniest, smartest, busiest women in Australia, the ones that you see on the TV and hear on the radio, how the hell do they do all that stuff? To be the first to know when a new episode of I Don't Know How She Does It drops, come and subscribe to us in iTunes or on your favourite
0: podcast app, I Don't Know How She Does It, where we work out, does anyone really do it all? So one of the challenges I set you both this week was to do one of the exercises that she recommends people in her life. So when she's training someone, she'll say to them, "Just go for twenty four hours without thinking a single negative comment." Jackie, how did you go?
1: I failed within like fifteen minutes, and then I then my self talk was going, "Don't think that, don't think that, don't think that." You know, but I did realize how many negative thoughts I have in twenty four hours, and it's pretty horrific.
2: I uh, I both really appreciate that as an exercise and I think that that is not a concept that Michelle Bridges has come up with. Uh, I, I think it's a you know a, t- a tool that any life coach would use, but it doesn't seem like an original idea to me. But having said that, when uh, you set forward that challenge, I did find it hard. And I uh, there's a video that came out recently of a little girl who's like three in America, and this YouTube video of her standing in front of a mirror and she's going, "I like my house, I like my legs, I like my mom, I like my dad," and that's how she starts the starts the day. And I saw that video probably last year, and then started. Um, trying to give myself five compliments every morning standing in front of the mirror completely naked giving myself five compliments and it is hard and I I think any woman would agree with that that there is a little voice in your head who that negates every comment that you say so I really understood what Michelle Bridges was saying with that I just didn't feel like um, it was a new idea
0: but no one's asking her to write a new idea. This is f- 30 years in the fitness industry and 30 years in transforming people's lives put it down in one book. Why, who wouldn't want to read that? There's no new ideas. There's okay, just That's true. That's I, I, true. Think
1: there, I think there are a few new ideas now that I'm a recent convert to this is my second, you know, change your life book that I've read <laughs> in... Lots of decades, but um, I think we, we're increasingly understanding that our thoughts are very, very, very important to shaping who we are and shaping our decision making. And I and, and I think new things are coming up all the time.
2: I I really liked what she says about no excuses. I found that more compelling than I found the no negativity thought. Um, that especially when she's talking about how she uses the no excuses and the just effing do it. Oh, what what is it? Just, just freaking, freaking do, do it. it. Um, method on herself when she's talking about her training and if a thought pops into her head oh maybe i'll just run eight kilometers today instead of 12 kilometers and how she shuts that down in her own head and makes herself run even further i found that really interesting reading about how she's hard on herself not reading uh about how she thinks we should be hard on ourselves if that makes sense
0: the part that i really liked and you should see my book it's got post-it notes all through it's got everything underlined is when she says right at the beginning that, you know, so many of us make a plan for what we're doing today, what we're going to drink tonight, when we're seeing family this week. You know, you book your car in to be fixed. You know when you're going to be going on a holiday in a few months' time. But no one ever sits down and actually maps out a plan for their life, or very few people do. So why not? Like you need a plan. For You have a plan for everything else. Why not have a plan for your life? That really spoke to me.
2: And I had a posted on the same place <laughs> saying not everything is that black and white that... I, I, I agree that you should make a plan if you've got a passion and you're trying to pursue it. But that that is a very niche part of of the community who has a specific passion that they want to develop into a career. And I guess they're the kind of people that would buy this book and so that's why it didn't work for me.
1: Do, do you think, Mons, can I ask you a question? Do you think you've got a lot of post-its in there because you're at a particular stage of your life where you need someone to either point you in the right direction or slap you around the face a bit or there's something happening in your life where you need something. Do you think that's why you could have a lot of post-it notes in there?
2: No. Do you need to make something happen once? Is that what's going no, on? No,
0: not at all. I have a lot of post-it notes in this book because I wanted to be thorough about this book club and go through some of the themes that she talks about. That's why. I thought that there was really helpful advice in this book and it's the kind of straight talking advice that you don't get anymore because everyone treads around so carefully you know it's like oh work-life balance and take care of yourself and self-love and you know just go easy go easy but this is the opposite she says you've got to work really hard to get what you want and so many people take the path of least resistance these days that to read someone go it takes so much blood sweat and tears was really refreshing and where she talks about don't be a victim and she tells these stories about terrible things that happened in her life that yeah. she just hasn't let like this sexual assault in a bar that when she, she was for looking a for a job, just, yeah, and she just hasn't let this stuff bring her down. And I think that that's a you know it's not a message that everyone can take on, but I think a lot of people would be would benefit from hearing it. But the one thing that I did write on the front cover on the, on the number one post-it note in this book is that there are so many rules. If you want to life coach your life, there are so many rules to it. You have to sacrifice. Then you have to give yourself a break. You have to find your passion. Then you have to write a plan. Then you have to put action points in place. Then you have to keep checking in. You have to exercise. You have to keep building your self-belief. You have to just effing do it. You have to um, be a good... You have to ask yourself, who can I be? Not what can I get out of this? It's exhausting being a good person. That's why I would rather pay
2: Michelle Bridges (laughs) to do it than read the book. (laughs) It
1: is exhausting. And that's why a lot of, I mean, and it's true, there are a lot of people, it's sort of a modern day malady that people don't know, people feel stuck and they don't feel happy in their lives and they want something else that's over there, but they can't pinpoint it. And that's why there's a lot of these kind of books around and there's a lot of these people around that are trying to help us. But Sometimes you need this stuff in your life. You just hit a point where you search for this stuff and if it comes to you at other times, you're like, nah, it doesn't resonate with me at
0: all.
2: There was one um, story in here that particularly annoyed me. Okay, go. Um, This was... And there are a lot of great stories from her youth where she's talking about uh, her her stubbornness and her resilience and things that you see Mm. come out later in life. But there was one uh, story where she was talking about being bullied quite badly as a child and that she took to sport and that it was her plan to become really good at sport and then she she uses the words and then I became popular and then everything was okay and that made me kind of angry because you know my uh, my sister was really bullied at school also not good at sport if if it's that easy for a child to turn their life around uh then that I feel like it is a dangerous way of placing blame on people for their own circumstances and that it's she's almost saying that it is your fault if you're get if your child if a child is getting bullied, it is their own fault and they ne- they should have the tools to plan their way out of it mm. but not every child can do sport and I just didn't think that that was a very fair example.
0: I think that's a really good point because there definitely is throughout the whole book this cultural value that just says hard work will get you anywhere and, you know, no excuses, don't be a victim, just buck up and just put your head down and and do the hard work but you're right maybe not every kid is naturally sporty and does there need to be room for people who can't exercise or don't want to or don't I don't know what do you think Jackie you've got kids oh
1: uh, yeah no look I I really agree with that message that she's got out there about resilience and um and how sport or exercising can help you with resilience and um, Lucy, I think, you know, maybe your sister couldn't do sport, but is there something else somebody excels in? You know, I do think increasingly it's really important to just be able to get up because everyone gets pushed to the ground and whether it's at school or later in life, it, it happens and you've got to have the skills to get back up again. And as much as you don't want to see your kids... Falling down, you can't help them up all the time. They've got to find, they've got to get back up themselves. And I, and I am, I, and I am increasingly getting over excuses too. But again, I'm older, and I see some people in my life that I've tracked, and they've always got an excuse. And we're now like, you know, forty odd, and you're just looking at them going, "You've had the same excuse for twenty years. Like friggin', just get on with it and shut up and do it. I mean, I'm doing it. What? Do you, why do you think I can't go out every Saturday and Sunday night and do all this? Because I've got to work hard. I've got to do meals. I've got to do all this other stuff. It's just people are great at excuses, and I think we're increasingly becoming good at excuses. And I'm kind of getting tired of that too. Like Michelle.
2: Mm. Yeah, I do. I I agree, and I think she sets she sets up something interesting at the beginning of the book, and then it it was something. It was a message that sort of confused me because she talks about the U.S. psychologist Martin Seligman. Uh, who's popularly known as the founder of positive psychology and his formula is that 50% of our happiness comes from genetics the biology we inherit from our parents 10% comes from life circumstances and the interesting thing is that the final 40% comes from our own choices and actions and Michelle is saying that that is a huge slice and that's a, a big portion we have to control and I agree she's right and that's the basis of the book but 60% is something that Martin Seligman is saying that we can't control. And that's not an excuse. That is biological truth. So I feel that setting it up with that example is already kind of setting yourself up for disappointment if you're coming from the 60% where you are not predispositioned to be a happy person. Mm.
1: But I mean, also, that's one psychologist's point of view. It's actually not... Held across the whole of psychology. He's a specialist in happiness psychology. I only say this once because I did study psychology at uni for a little while. And so, you know, we, we've got to look at what examples were p- plucked out. A- anyway, if I agree with Martin Seligman and the 60%, I'm looking at it completely differently than you, Lucy. I am looking, going, well, 40% I can control and I'm going to control it and do my best. I'm not looking at it going, well, 60% I can't control. I'm kind of defeated already. I'm going to choose to take that 40% and change that 40% and do whatever I can with that 40%.
2: And make it happen with the
1: 40%. I will. I want to because I've seen too many people s- just slip away. I have seen too many people just not live the lives even near they wanted to live. And in their 20s, they're talking like this and it's great and everything's... oh. The 30s, things get a bit harder and it gets a bit, you know, and reality starts setting in and, and then... You make a choice by my age, you either become a bitter, resentful person or you've got to go, well, this is where I'm at. I have to do a few things, like I have to earn money, I have to do this and I can either choose to react like this or I, I choose to look at things this way and too many people decide to get all, I mean, you would meet them, they're sort of bitter or resentful, they either take up marathon running or drinking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> did um, you did you find any of the examples that she used in... Uh, in people who aren't living their best life, such as her friends. There was a woman who has a cat that she was talking about. Um, I've got a post-it in there. And she's she's talking about this this one lady, uh, her name is Ellen, that for the last 23 years um, she has lived her life as safely as possible. She's oh, been in yes. the same unit. She's The only thing that she's changed in her life is that she once got a new cat and because the original, some suggested snidely, probably died of boredom and... Michelle talks about Ellen and that uh, Ellen seems happy. She's perfectly happy as she is and she's probably blissfully unaware of what other people think, that uh, which is that she's boring. But then Michelle says, but on the other hand, I can't help feeling that Ellen and all the others like her are missing out. Life is there to be lived in all its colour and excitement and giddy ups and disappointing downs, not merely there to be endured. And I feel that that's a very good point. But also, poor Ellen, that's kind of unfair. You're placing judgement on her life. You say that she's perfectly happy and yet you're saying that she is not a good enough person.
1: Oh, no, I think Ellen sounds really boring and sad.
0: There's (laughs) nothing wrong with being boring and sad if that's who you are. Exactly. I know. no, quiet.
1: but, But also, you know, taking it back to... That's a re- Look, I agree. That is a reality, though. Not everyone can lead these sparkling, passionate lives where you're doing exactly what you want. And I hate to break it to you both. That often doesn't happen. It often doesn't happen. You, you know, you often have to get on with life as best you can with limitations. I know that's not going to make a book, but that is the reality of life. All these lovely self-help books saying, go out and fo- follow your passion. There's been all these stories about people who've kind of quit their jobs and thrown it in and said, I'm going to, you know, do this. And then six months later, their whole lives are sort of basically ruined. I mean, there's a reality. We all have to exist in in this world unless we want to go off and live in, you know, Nepal or something. And you have to make those decisions and decide how you want to live. I mean, don't live in Sydney. Don't live in Melbourne if you can't pay your rent and you can't do all of that. But so, hang on,
0: Jackie. How come some people do it then? And she addresses that in the beginning. How come some people make a go of it and really live the fullest and get and reach all their goals and some don't? And some just language. And that's and that's what she's saying, is that this is the difference. The difference is, is that the successful people and the ones that make it happen follow these kinds of steps.
1: Of health and, and fitness professionals, how many do you know who are like Michelle Bridges? Mm, sure. None. Yeah. So it, it doesn't happen for everybody.
0: And that's
2: why I want to hear more about her yoga teacher friend who was a lawyer and became a yoga teacher because I've got a lot of friends who are yoga teachers and they're not making a lot of money. So how is how is her yoga teacher friend really making it happen and living her most colorful passionate life when surely
0: she's struggling to pay her bills? So it was too it's too aspirational. You want something more realistic. I I just I want more n- not more realistic,
2: I want more specificity. Mm. I, w- mm. I want the specific examples of her friends and how the steps they took in their lives between knowing that they wanted to make their passion their job and how they exactly made that happen. Not vague questions pertaining to perhaps I might want to uh, be turning my passion into a reality and how I can go about doing that by oh asking God. vague questions.
0: There were no vagaries in this. It was here's what you do. You work out what you want to do and then you put your plan in place and it... and. She's not wanting to turn everyone into a into a Tiffany Hall or into a Michelle Bridges or into a Neil Perry. She's just saying if you just want to be a bit better at your relationships or if you just want to get your finances under control or if you just want to like start walking a bit more like this is how to do it. No? No.
2: No, that's Sorry. true. That's that true. Around in circles. That's true. But I also feel that it is not well written. It is as far as self-help book goes, it's not easy to read and her turn of phrase is not inspiring as it is in some other self-help books like you know for example eat pray love uh where it is also the same kind of self-indulgent vague advice but it's written in such a way that makes me feel like I'm there and makes me feel like I'm learning I didn't get that from this book and I feel like I would get it from speaking to Michelle Bridges for five minutes but I
0: didn't get it from her book when you say self-indulgent though, isn't this book about helping other people? How is that self-indulgent? Are you Are kidding?
2: Every fifth page is a photo of her in a pose and a dress.
0: What is it? You're both
1: really smart women, switched on. You know what's going on in the world. Why? You you know what you need to do to make changes in your own life. And what I'm interested in is why you can't do those yourselves or why you would turn to, well, this is for you really, Mons, because you're, in, why you need a, someone to tell you to do that? I mean I am genuinely interested. I'm not being a smart ass. I'm like wondering you you've, you've got everything in your head to do that. And Of course I do.
0: So because So humans, what attracts
1: you to somebody else telling you to do it?
0: Because by virtue of who we are, of who we are as a human race, We take the path of least resistance as much as we can. We know what we have to do to do these things, but we don't because we're lazy and we can't be bothered and it's easy to sit on the couch and it's fine to eat takeaway. You know, we constantly take the path of least resistance. And in life, when you grow older and you don't have teachers telling you what to do, parents telling you what to do, sports coaches telling you what to do, you're left to your own devices. And if no one ever says to you, this is how you do it, be a better person... Then you just don't. Like, is that I just called feel being like, an adult? Yeah, and who wants to be one? You know, there's all these this trend of adulting of and people just want to remain in a childlike state for as long as they can and that's I'm envious of that but I just think that this is the kind of book and the reason that people respond so well and so greatly to these kinds of messages is because they stop at a certain point in your life you stop receiving them and so when you get them again you feel a sense of control over your life you feel like someone's telling me what to do I can follow this path I can just color in the numbers and go from A to Z and everything's going going to be okay it's a control thing
1: so, so would you be instituting any changes as a result of reading this book
0: yes i have walked every day this week because every time i go to give myself an excuse i think what would michelle bridges say?" <laughs> and J-F-T-R. i say no excuses <laughs> i also have really tried hard to do that 24 hour thing where i don't say any negative things and i was shocked at how badly i talked to myself
1: mm, mm, i was too yeah mm.
0: what about you jackie did you take anything from it you're gonna yeah, change no, I, your did. Life?
1: I do I agree that the the kind of the not whinging and complaining thing really stood out to me as something important. Rather, you know, I I'm really scared of becoming bitter and resentful, like I said before. Like, you know, becoming one of those people who's just like sort of feels they're on a treadmill and and gets really angry about it instead of just looking at all the stuff I have. And I have such an abundance of good stuff in my life and I have got one of those heads that can very quickly grab onto the negative, and so that exercise to not think negatively was really was very helpful for me to just to realise that I think negatively so much when I, I I really shouldn't. I should I need to temper that. So just there was little things in there that just really sort of I thought yeah I've got to remember this. Yeah I'm a bit hopeless at this. Yeah I've got to just pick my you know pull my socks up here. You know n- none of it was. Uh, no excuses and all that kind of stuff I sort of yeah so mine was just basically having a more positive mindset
2: for me I think as well the fact that I kept rolling my eyes while reading the book was making me realize that I need to have a more positive mindset and a more open mind in uh, reading this kind of book Uh, and the fact that you got so much out of it I would love to read it through your eyes and it makes me question my own mentality that perhaps I need to turn that around as well as all, all the stuff about no excuses and and that, she, uh, you know, no bull and everything that she takes in her life. I found that quite inspiring when I was reading about her life.
0: Mm. Okay, coming up next, is the correlation that she draws between fitness and success a dangerous message to send? And would you chase down Kerri-Ann Kennelly? Uh, we'll find out. <laughs> But right now, a message from our sponsor, BWS. Because every book club needs a drop to go with it, whether it's white, red, or a bubbly. And BWS, they've got all of them. Jackie, what would you, if anything, drink while reading
1: this book? I'd drink clean vodka. I know that's not a beer, wine, or spirit. It's a spirit, though, yeah. BWS. It's a low, low calorie Low calories, clean, fresh, one big hit and you're kind of done. Yeah, that's what I'd do.
0: What about you, Lucy?
2: I'd drink a nice, light red, I feel. Yes, I think Michelle would appreciate uh, the light and I'd appreciate the red.
0: Okay. I would go a meaty, bold Shiraz with all the antioxidants, you
1: know. You know,
0: full of antioxidants. It's... <sighs> it's... <sighs> it's that's you what know? you're telling yourself. <laughs> right. Keep talking. Right now there's a special offer on at BWS just for Mamma Mia. You can get Graham Norton's own Sauvignon Blanc at half price. But six bottles for 60 bucks. bottles, yes. Just head to bws.com.au forward slash mamma mia to unlock this special offer. Why not crack open a bottle with friends? And make it happen. I can't believe the hatred from this from this book just spilling forth out of you.
2: Oh, I feel and I feel bad. Like uh,
0: I did, you really like it, Mon's, like really, really, or are you just being
1: Jackie? A I've advocate? got
2: I've I read her copy that Mon's read earlier in the year with all her post its in it, and it was I was just loving. I, I could feel Mon's in this book, just loving that that beautiful mind with everything that you'd posted and gone. Yes.
0: <laughs> i really have it's full of und- it's embarrassing
2: there's the purple post-its that are your positive ones and then the yellow po- post-its that are my negative ones <laughs> amazing
0: okay so, so let's talk about the the sort of possibly dangerous correlation that she makes between being really fit and also being successful lucy you had a bit of a problem with that mm-hmm.
2: uh, i don't know if i if i had a problem with it so much i think it has been proven that successful people and you know the world leaders are, are all fit people that there are no people with incredibly high iq who are also obese because they recognize the importance in their life of exercise and michelle uses examples of uh you know barack obama of malcolm turnbull uh who go out in the morning and exercise and you can assume that they have busier days than most people what i uh, i i wasn't so convinced with was the importance she puts on exercise when you're making your plan to make your passion happen and I just couldn't see how that was related except in her example where her passion is exercise.
0: Hmm.
1: I I have to say I disagree with Lucy. I think exercise is really really important. Uh, I remember they've done studies and that it's all about self-control so if you can get up and make yourself exercise and make yourself walk or run or do do anything else. Self-control is like a muscle in your brain and it then will go to other areas that you need. So if you need some self-control to make yourself stay longer at work or um, finish off this project or do this, you're more likely to because you've already exercised that self-control muscle by getting yourself up and doing exercise. They did a study on university students in America and the ones who did a six-week exercise program also then tended to make their bed, clean the kitchen, do better at um, university. All these other outcomes happened and all they did was start an exercise program.
0: Yeah, they've also done studies about how self-control fades during the day, which is why a lot of people Mm. prefer to exercise in the morning when they can just get it out of the way before their self-control fades. And one of the parts that stuck with me too is how she sometimes in the morning when she'll wake up and think, I don't want to get out the door, she just pretends she's a robot. Do you remember that bit? And yeah. she's just like, I am a robot going out to run, and she just start and think, I'll just do five minutes, and then that five minutes, she goes, I'll just do five more minutes, and by the time you know it, it's over. I love that. There is no denying that Michelle Bridges
2: has unbelievable self control. Oh, yeah, absolutely, much. But I'm this.
1: I have to do. I remember reading an interview with her ages ago, and it really gave me comfort that she said, Oh, I, whenever the alarm goes in the morning, I never feel like getting up. Yeah. And I thought, Oh, okay. Well, I never feel like getting up when I set the alarm early to do exercise, but I do exactly what she does. I have the exercise gear laid out on the floor beneath me and I just get up straight away, get into it, and I just go. Because if I have a chance to think, I'm going to give myself an excuse. Mm-hmm. So it's almost before I switch the brain on. I think, and I just need to say, I think the other thing with exercise, and I'm a completely late convert to it and almost have no right to say anything. I'm like a smoker, an ex-smoker who's now like a huge convert, but um <laughs> I think that it's really good for your mental health. It really, particularly people with really overactive, who are overactive mentally, which could be me, it really just clears your head. It makes you sleep better. There's all these add on effects that have got nothing, for me, it's got nothing to do with my weight. It's got nothing to do with how I look. Exercise for me is how I feel, and then I do feel more motivated afterwards. I, if I exercise in the morning, my day goes much better.
0: Mm. There's a uh, the real thread that runs through this book also is that determination just can beat talent and that if you just bloody hang on and you just don't take no for an answer that you'll get to where you want to be the chapter where she talks about hassling kerry-ann Kennelly in the gym until she gave her a segment on the show and then hassling the channel 10 producers that were making the biggest loser until they made her the host like she's like a dog with a bone right she just she gets an idea in her head she will not let go did how did that sit with you jackie
1: I really enjoyed reading it. I'd hate to be at the other end of Michelle's phone calls and emails, <laughs> yeah. but you know, as a person, I mean, oh, good on you, good on you. But being the person, the producer or Carrie Anne, I'd be going, oh my god. But you have to have people like that. I like that she's like that. I'm not like that at all. And um, maybe she's made me by telling me that story, rev myself up fifteen percent. You know, taking a no more, I'll fifteen percent go above and beyond, which I think is a is a is a victory. But yeah i'm not like that i don't know many people like that and that's probably why she is so successful
2: Mm. i agree and i thought it was really great when i read that she made a comment on the fact that you do also know need to know when to give up yes when it's that kind of thing i mean if she was continuing today to harass kerry-ann kennelly Uh, to get her on a show, then she probably would have a restraining order. So I think I liked it when she finally recognised that you do need to admit uh, if something's not working. And I think that's a really important um, step in making it happen. So there is persistence, but there's also uh, learning when to uh, kind of, you know, move the rudder and make sure that you're going in a direction that's going to work.
0: I thought there were a lot of strong women in this book. Uh, She tells a story about her mum making it happen, about her grandma being a huge influence on her life. And I found that really positive that there are a lot of strong female role models in this book.
1: Agreed. Absolutely agreed. And they were all really, really, really motivated women who worked really hard. There were times I actually really felt for Michelle's grandmother and mother. They obviously sort of um, they didn't weren't given anything, neither was Michelle. and these women sort of or how they responded to that was to just get in there work hard and try to make their lives the lives better of their children, which I think is really, really admirable and what most mothers try to do. And it needs to be noted that the grandmother mentioned is actually Michelle's father's mother. And um, I thought that was a, must be a really nice relationship. That um, she does have her father through her grandparents. Her father wasn't part of her life, but her father's grandparents were a huge part of her life.
0: Okay, top tips from the book, guys. Top tips. Your your one takeout message. How are you gonna make it happen or not?
2: I think my top tip from the book is no excuses. I really loved reading her talking about uh, not using excuses on yourself and especially when she talks about uh, when she's quite hard on herself and doesn't and knows when she, admits when she's making an excuse and stops herself from doing it and that is already something that i have implemented in my life and i've i've caught myself when i'm making an excuse in my mind whether it's for exercise or working hard or getting out of bed and said no no J-F-D-I. <laughs> just freaking
0: do it. You can hear her voice in your head when she says uh, J-F-D-I. You can. Yeah. What about you, Jackie? Mine would be the
1: um, to monitor the negativity, the self-talk negativity in your head because that exercise mons you gave me, which I actually did, um, like I said, very surprised at how I talk to myself and it just brought up the the fact that I need to... Really try to water that down and talk to myself in my head a different way and not concentrate on the negative. So the monitoring the negative talk, self-talk.
0: Yeah, think of yourself as a winner, Jack. Mine was a clickbaity one. She clickbaited us in this book and said mm. my, I have three golden rules for success. Oh, yes. And I was like, oh, what are they, what are they? Be consistent, be consistent, be consistent. Consistency <laughs> is key. And she's right. Um. I. Oh my goodness. Okay. There's so much I took out of this book, but that was probably the top one. Is that so many people think oh, I'll just try this diet, or I'll go on a five week, five day cleanse, or I'll just try and get to ten thousand steps for the next month. But just if you just do little things consistently over time, it makes a big difference. All those things add up. And I also loved how much how pro she is about cooking your own meals. I really need yes. to do that. And learning to cook. Yes. And for mm-hmm. everyone to be able to cook, and I think
1: she's right there. I think. It's really important to be able just to whip up a meal at home that's healthy and nutritious and makes you feel good. It does make you feel good when you mm. eat a really nice home-cooked meal mm. that's, that's healthy.
2: And it's so much easier to make an excuse and not do it. So yeah. I agree 100%. Mm.
0: Thank you, Jackie Lan, for joining me today on Book Club. That's the last one of the series. Aww. It's been really fun. It has been good. Mm. You're a very lovely person <sighs> to chat with. And uh, Lucy Rivers, thank you for joining us for this special self-help episode. My pleasure. We picked I... the most cynical person we could. You did.
2: You absolutely did. I feel that there's a good take on two books, but um, if, if I could be the kind of reader that you are, Moni, then uh, I would feel better about myself. So, you know, I, I feel that I'd like to read this book again with your eyes. <laughs>
0: That's it for the book club podcast for the season. Thank you for reading along with us. If there's any books that you've missed, just go back through the feed and have a look. There's some amazing reads in there from Curtis Sittenfeld's Eligible to Leanne Moriarty's Big Little Lies and Caroline Overington's The One Who Got Away. There's some wonderful reads. Um, Jackie, it's been so great having you in my club. Will you be in my real life club one day? I will, if you have me. I'd love to. Uh, If you'd like to see this show continue to keep going, then the best thing you can do is to leave a review in iTunes and leave us a star rating. Uh, hopefully a five-star rating. Michelle Bridges would want you to give us a five-star rating because she would see it as a positive act Mm -hmm. and we would appreciate that. Um, You can also contact us by emailing podcast at mamamia.com.au with all your feedback or maybe some suggestions for new records for the next season of Foot Club. Thanks for being with us. I'm Monique Bowley. I've been with Jackie Lunn and Lucy Rivers and we will read again with you soon.